0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. This is page 369. With a pair of soft leather boots. What remained but a haircut, shave, bath, and my first solid meal in three days. After that, I was coin poor again, but feeling much more sure of myself. Still, I knew it would be difficult to make my way to the mayor. Men with his degree of power live within layers of protection. There are customary, graceful ways to navigate these layers. Introductions and audiences, messages and rings, calling cards, and ass-kissing. But with only eleven days to get my loot out of pawn, my time was too precious for that. I needed to make contact with Alvaron quickly. So I made my way to the foot of the sheer and found a small cafe that catered to a gentile clientele. I used one of my precious few remaining coins to buy a mug of chocolate and a seat with a view of the haberdashers across the street. Over the next several hours, I listened to the gossip that flows through such places. Even better, I won the trust of the clever young boy who worked at the cafe, waiting to refill my mug if I so desired. With his help, and some casual eavesdropping, I learned a great deal about the mayor's court in a short amount of time. Eventually, the shadows grew longer, and I decided it was time to move. I called the boy over and pointed across the street. Do you see that gentleman, the one in the red vest? Yes, sir. Do you know... Who it is? The Esquire Bag, and if it please you. I needed someone more important than that. How about the cross-looking fellow in the awful yellow hat? The boy hid a smile. That's Baronet Petter. Perfect. I stood and clapped Jim on the back. You'll do well for yourself with a memory like that. Keep well. I gave him halfpenny and strolled to where the Baronet stood, fingering a bolt of deep green velvet. It goes without saying that in terms of social rank, there are none lower than the Edema Even leaving aside my heritage, I was a landless commoner. This meant, in terms of social standing, the baronet was so high above me that if he were a star, I would not be able to see him with the naked eye. A person of my position should address him as my lord, avoid eye contact, and bow deeply and humbly. Truth be told, a person of my social standing shouldn't speak to him at all. Things were different in the Commonwealth, of course, and the university itself was particularly egalitarian. But even there, nobility were still rich and powerful and well-connected. People like Ambrose would always run the end of the page. My name's Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. This page does something that bothers me, or at least it bothered me initially, uh, and I'm not sure how I feel about it now. You may recall that I gave... Uh, some grief way back when we first met Ambrose, because nobody ever points to him and says that's Ambrose. Quoth just knows his name in the book that happens again here. We are never said the boy's name is Jim. He just says, I clapped Jim on the back, and uh, I guess you know we can figure out from context that the boy is named Jim. I just feel it would have been nice to have a line that says, And I learned the boy's name was Jim, however. If we are to believe that Quoth is a very talented namer, and names just come to him, then I can forgive this, both in terms of when it shows up with Ambrose and here and now. And I want to keep an eye out to see if this continues to happen or if it has happened since. Certainly it happened with, that, with Ambrose, because I, I will never forget. I may forgive, but I remember when I first read this book uh, way back, sort of having whiplash and being very annoyed uh, that there was never an actual introduction. And it happened again here.
1: I mean, let us not also discount the possibility that Kvoth learned his name in the course of the several hours he spent sitting here chatting with the guy and yeah, ordering chocolate. Yeah, obviously he
0: did that. Obviously he did that, but I would have liked the narrator to say, at some point I learned his name was Jim. I just feel, maybe right. this is a problem, as you like to say, Jeremy. Maybe I, I just feel like the narrator should communicate to the reader, this character was named this before referring to them by their name.
1: I think that the narrator does not need to communicate that to us because we can pick it up through context.
2: I'm kind of with Jeremy on this one. Sorry, Nick. Ah,
1: uh, ah, uh, calumny! <laughs> That's right. There is perfidy all around you, Sarah.
2: Speaking of fun words,
1: uh-huh. on,
2: on this page they mention that he's uh, at a shop and it's across from a haberdashery. And I only recently learned what a haberdashery was and actually committed it to to memory so i was very pleased to see this on the page and be like ah yes haberdashery
0: now jordana i know what a haberdashery is and i'm sure jeremy knows what a haberdashery is but why don't you tell us what a haberdashery is in case our listeners don't know what a haberdashery is
2: haberdashery is a place that makes like clothing accessories oftentimes for men but not necessarily exclusively um so things like they might make hats They actually might mostly make hats, um, but also like other accessories that would go with that.
0: Huh, I only knew it as a hat shop, so I guess I learned something today.
2: I I assume that like they are mostly known as hat shops, but I know there's also other accessories that are sold at haberdasheries because I had to make a logo for a haberdashery for work. And so I had to Google what things haberdasheries sold.
1: Are you having a fun Uh, time saying the word haberdashery? I am
2: having such a good time. Haberdashery, haberdashery, haberdashery.
1: Mm if you keep saying it you're gonna your mouth is gonna stick like that and you'll turn into a haberdashery
0: <laughs> there's another thing that's a bit weird on this page the line on on my book i needed someone more important than that is italicized as if it is uh internal to Quoth's head uh yes. is it italicized for you that's right so that is odd to me there uh, nowhere else in the book does the narration work this way when he says perfect, that's fine. That doesn't bother me. I but think what he's it is- saying, like, it- sorry, Jeremy, let me finish my thought. And then uh, if it was italic, I need someone more important than that. That is that what would, I would have been fine. And then non-italicized, I needed someone more important than that, you know, spoken to the listener, the reader. That is fine.
1: But to do both, to me, seems odd. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. I think it's meant to communicate to us that that is the thought that Cloth is having right then, as opposed to a thought that he is... That narrator quoth is relaying to the to the reader. It is a thought that the character quoth in the story is having um, at the moment.
0: Yeah, it's just unusual. It's an unusual convention. It never shows up again. I feel like. Before, it... I
1: mean, it, may, it might show up again, but it doesn't. It hasn't showed up before. I I I mean, I might be wrong. I, I guess it doesn't bother me because I feel like it's I've seen it before and I'll see it again. Yeah. This, this will come up again on tomorrow's page, but Rothfuss's description of how class works in in his world just does not quite ring true to me. Like, I think what he's trying to communicate is the difference between, like, a society that has, like, a long tradition of aristocracy and one that doesn't. But it it just feels muddled because the Commonwealth also clearly does have aristocrats, who have wealth and power and social standing, I don't like it does not make sense to me that the that the the aristocracy in Vintus is somehow more aristocratic than the aristocracy in the Commonwealth. And on the next page he says that like in Vintus, the difference is that they have privilege, and I'm sorry, that's just not like if you're an aristocrat, you have privilege that is independent of your money and power. If you have money and power and not privilege, then you're not an aristocrat you're a businessman or a, or, you know, a rich person.
0: Well, I think you have privilege that comes with your money and power.
1: Yeah. But if you have, but, but that's not the same as having like, you know, like in Canada, like we have rich people and we have like a class society in the Marxist sense, but we don't have a class society the way Britain has a class society where they literally have a landed aristocracy. Right. Right. Where even the poorest, meanest aristocrat is still like socially superior to a like a nouveau rich trust fund dickhead. They have they have like social privilege that that kid does not have. Anyway, my point is that I think that Ro- the fact that Rothfuss is American, maybe he does not understand these things in the same way, uh, and it just like it 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 irks me a little bit.
0: Let me take the Jeremy tack and say that I read this uh, mostly just to impress upon the reader uh, of what a uh, what a ballsy move it is for Quoth to approach him and speak to him this way. I think it's kind of Mm. setting the scene for this little bit of interaction. It's it's less about explaining how aristocracy works. It's more about
1: uh, explaining the stakes of the scene. Yeah, and like that, I buy. Like I don't know. I think that I would have written this passage differently if the. because I think you're right that the intent is to communicate the fact that when if you're going to bluff an aristocrat, you have to you have to dom him essentially. You have to like act like you're better than him and be able to convincingly portray the affect of of someone who is to the manner born.
2: I mean, we're gonna get to that tomorrow's page.
1: <laughs> yes, we are. I all I'm saying is that I think in a world where there is a landed aristocracy, there is no difference between one landed aristocracy and another, like they're all landed aristocrats.
0: Well, speaking of aristocrats, we have a letter here oh. from listener Joe, who writes on page 355, Cyrano de Bergerac. Hello all. On this page, you discuss Kvothe's service to the mayor and its similarity to the way that Cyrano de Bergerac helped Christian de Nuvier, Nuviet, in his quest to woo Roxanne. I think it bears mentioning that Rothfuss is a huge fan of Cyrano de Bergerac, and in his Goodreads review of the play, he cites it as a major inspiration for his wanting to write complex, dramatic, and engaging stories. As a fan of Cyrano myself, I love to read the section of the book that deals with Kvothe's interactions with the mayor and draw parallels to the story of Cyrano that Rothfuss wrote into his own story, consciously or otherwise. If anyone out there hasn't read Cyrano de Bergerac before, I cannot recommend it enough. It's a wonderfully written French drama that will make you laugh until you hurt and cry until you hurt even more. Hope
1: you're all doing well. Signed, Joe. That's an interesting detail that Rothfuss is a fan of Cyrano de Bergerac. Makes sense that he'd want to do his own spin on that kind of tale.
0: I have never seen it. I have seen Roxanne uh, long ago, and I've probably seen like Muppets do it
1: somewhere. Yeah, you've seen the um, never, you've seen the wishbone version.
0: Yeah, exactly. I've seen the Witchbone version, but I I don't think I ever uh, have read the the book.
2: I I don't know any of those things and have nothing to add. I'm so sorry. Mm,
0: you know that typical. song, uh,
2: Roxanne. Yes. You don't
0: have to put up the red light. That's uh that's an adaptation of the French play.
2: Why do I not believe you?
1: Because Nick's a bullshitter.
2: <laughs> those days are over. You don't have to sell your body to the night. My favorite version of that song is the one from uh, Moulin Rouge, like the mm. movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, we know mm. the movie.
0: Yep, it, it, it's a movie, all right.
2: Whatever, I like it.
0: And you're allowed. <laughs> well, it's, you're. It's, it's, it's fun. Yeah, you're allowed to like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and oh, sorry, that was really condescending. I don't know how to get out of this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like we've never been condescending before um we'll condescend to you our listeners on tomorrow's page um, <laughs> the wind. wind
0: is this what the new way we sign off we just like say the thing we just said and then it's to our listeners on tomorrow's page of the wind
2: that's how jeremy signs off